Hello, welcome to CarCast and Edmonds podcast. Uh, I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, here with uh, Alistair Weaver. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Matt. You're yeah, wrapping up all busy. of your stuff, all of your end of the year stuff before you take a, a little break from from Edmonds. You let your, your staff go home for like, what, three days? <laughs> uh, we like crush. Actually, we got to try to get a little break over the holiday season. So we basically, but what it means, you're right, you kind of crush a month into two or three weeks. Yeah. So by the time you get, normally what happens, I, I normally head back to Europe to see the family over Christmas and then generally get ill because I've just exhausted myself in the run up. So we'll yeah, see. I, but you're, you just went recently. Are you're not going back now or are you, are you going back? No, we are going back. I've you got are. a, if people want to feel, see, it sounds very glamorous. I was back to Europe and then, you know, going to yeah. France and the UK. The reality is that it's 11 hour overnight flight with a four year old and a 21 month old. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be misery for me. It's going to be misery for anybody else in that area of economy class. Yeah, I'm not going to go for that reason. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, but the flight I, back is, and then the flight back is even worse because overnight they sleep a little bit. Yeah. On the way back, no sleeping, day flight. So anyway, yeah, uh, it's it's good. I I know it's great to go back and see the family and maybe get a night off while maybe the family watches the kids, but it's, I don't know if it's worth the travel. They should come out here. Also like our weather's nice and things are okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah things are fairly okay. Anyway, things are fairly okay. Um, all right, let's uh, let's, we haven't had a chance to talk uh, about F1 um, since you were there. Let's get into that a little bit. Did you, did you just hop a flight and go out there? Did you road trip out there? What was the plan? Well, what was the plan? What really happened? <laughs> so so I very, very stupidly booked a family vacation for Thanksgiving, living on the Saturday of the race. So I went out for qualifying and then had to come back and be the dutiful husband routine. Uh, but it was, it's very, I mean, I, if, if you don't, you know, if we've, I know we talked about this before, but if you know that I actually used to work in Formula One many years ago. And actually I've got a little, this a little aside. I have a little cameo in the, you know, there's been a Keanu Reeves documentary about Braun. It's on uh, Hulu, I think it is. It's been Disney produced. And I have a yeah. little cameo. Ba Baby Alistair pops up alongside Keanu Reeves, which <laughs> is, um, actually, I think never it's expected on that Plus. at the time. Yeah. Is I it Disney Plus? Di I thought yeah, it was Yeah, because it's like, it's the one service I don't think I have. I don't think I subscribe to that. I just, there's, I don't know. No, it's definitely on Hulu, but Hulu owns Disney now. Disney yeah. owns Hulu, don't they? Maybe so it's on Hulu too, right? But maybe I don't know, the advertisement was for Disney Plus, but I think they're trying it, to, uh, to push it. It's um, um yeah. So so anyway, my so I'm a big Formula One geek, and it was just you know, and but it was so strange because now they were cutting, you know, they were cutting prices or trying to get people there because the whole thing had got cr so crazy expensive. Uh, I must confess, I was on a shameless. Uh, corporate ticket i'd been invited by alfa romeo and which was great to, to to meet the team and we went down into the paddock and kind of you know wandered around with all the celebrities and influencers it's all influencers now yeah i had a great actually on that score i had a great conversation with somebody from from one of the one of the teams who said to me you know formula one loves influencers because they don't ask any questions they don't get in the way all they want to do is take a photograph of themselves like in the pit lane and then and i walked it. down and he yeah, and I did it on my Instagram. I mean, it's on my my Instagram. I went down, went down the pit lane, and there was like this kind of young, beautiful influencer started standing there doing the perfect selfie pose. Uh, it's it's really funny if you've never been to a Grand Prix, and particularly if you you know lucky enough to get kind of fairly inside access as I did. It's 
it's a crazy world of this circus that that travels the globe 23 races a year now it's um it's mad and just the everything is to everything's to to largesse you know the scale of the teams thousand person teams you know even with a budget cap of 150 million when you add the the key salaries are still be still spending you know 250 million it's everything about it is 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 huge uh, but it's an amazing experience and the track and the whole setup was was actually much better than than I expected. There was a lot of fuss that it was more about the show than the race, but um, they did a, a hot lap, and I jumped into a Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio. I hope I pronounced that wrong. I'm not very good at in, in Italian accents, uh, which is kind of like one of those forgotten sports sedans. Yeah, five hundred horsepower, eighty thousand bucks. Looks great. And their and, SUV version, right? The yeah, the Stelvio. Stelvio, yeah. the Quadrifoglio, Stelvio. It, that, that's cool. It sounds good. It's fast. It handles great. I brought one on a Willow Springs with Tanner Faust. <laughs> yeah, they, and they 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 were a cool thing. And just you know, you never they're not really in the consciousness. And anyway, we went for a lap of that. And I tell you, what, even at the straight at Vegas, it was like at the end of the straight in the Alpha, we were doing hundred and seventy. And their F1 cars were doing 215. But because you've got all the barriers and you're going down the Vegas Strip and you've got all the lights and buildings, it yeah. feels really fast. Yeah. And they've just sent me a video of it. It had like a GoPro on. I'm going to post it on, on Instagram probably later. Well, uh, it'll probably be up by the time you're you're uh, you're listening to this. But it's, yeah, it was a really cool, really cool experience. I'm glad the race exists there. I know there's been a lot of fuss and controversy, but it was a fun event. It really was. I just hope next year they make it a bit more accessible, so you don't just have like corporates and you know. Well, you know the private I, jet brigade. I think they're going to be able to, to to learn a little bit from this, you know, because that th- that last couple of weeks leading up to F one, ticket prices started to really drop, and they went from sixteen hundred dollars down to about eight hundred dollars. And I and I even talked to some people. They're like, hey, at eight hundred bucks. Uh, they're like, I- I'm just going to go in for the day. I'm just going to go to F1 and find a place to crash for the night and then leave, just go to the, whatever the Saturday night thing or whatever. And, uh, and they did, and it was fine. I haven't spoken to anybody yet about Vegas. Like, what was it like sort of getting around? Are you able to get from the airport or like what can I assume everybody's just walking at this point because there's no way to 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 get a, a cab or a or an Uber. Well, that was what was weird about it. I expected it to be carnage. And yeah. it really wasn't. I flew in, I got there about half ten in the morning on the Friday qualifying, and all the circuit was open. So they didn't actually shut the circuit till five PM. So that was kind of strange. I went and had lunch with somebody, then I got a, a cab down to I was staying in the park MGM and we were literally like going down the main straight. We're going down the strip in this cab at, you know, 15 miles an hour. And then at five o'clock, they shut it, clean it up. And, you know, and then the racing began. And that was also one of the reasons why they didn't have any support races. They only had form- Formula One there. So that was all kind of weird. But I know a lot of locals have been, I would, like when you went down to SEMA as I did, and people were grumbling about it then. And I think for the locals, yeah. it's been a, a, a bit of an issue. And the cab drivers were charging $15. Yeah, just to, just just to get in the ride. car. Yeah, I was like, "What? So what? What? But fifteen dollars for what?" And they were like, "I'd be a Formula One surcharge." So, but Vegas didn't feel, and maybe this is part of the you know part of the reason that it wasn't you know wasn't an absolute sellout. Certainly on qualifying day Friday, it didn't feel busy. 
You know, you have, the, you, yeah. you have a, you sense, you've been to massive sporting events and the whole thing feels, the whole city feels atmospheric and it didn't really. Um, it just, you know, right. they, yeah. uh, it was a good race. We, we stayed here in town, but, uh, Galpin Aston Martin hosted a Vegas themed F1 watch party at night, like whatever, like nine to 12 o'clock at, at night. And they did a great job. It was in, uh, the Aston Martin showroom where they have their full bar and they set up, uh, tables like, uh, blackjack and, and, and different you know card tables and stuff and people were just playing with chips playing for fun uh uh they had screens everywhere that had a big you know you were able to watch and hear uh the game on i don't know five six different screens from all over the place they had plenty of food uh they had plenty of booze because we had our bravago there uh we had our hard sell nah, so get your little uh, plug in yep get my plug in for that um which uh, everyone should go online to drink Bravago and order right now. Uh, that being said, uh, it was a fun. It was a fun event. It actually it they made it a fun kind of Vegas themed event and allowed us to just get there and have a good time and go home and sleep in our own bed that night. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't lost on us uh, how how nice that was for them to to do that. And it was a it was it was full man. There was a lot of people that were having a lot of fun. The the other bit though I don't get is just that as you say the timings because qualifying was at midnight, so that's midnight on the midnight in Vegas is three a.m. on the East Coast and that was the whole idea I think was because Europe's waking up but yeah what is the point of having a U.S. Grand Prix that starts at three a.m. for you know a big chunk of the company uh, the country and yeah, I, I, even I, the I, race was like ten p.m. it's, I, it's like that's one a.m. I was doing the math on that too I was like. They're like, come to the, come to Galp and Aston Martin, and we're gonna ten o'clock at night. I'm like, that's kind of my bedtime, so yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, I'll do it, but that's normally when I'm going to sleep. And then yeah, but but you got to look at what time is it in London, what time is it in Japan, like oh, what is the what time is it in the rest of the world? How do you make it that the world can watch the fans around the world can watch the event? I don't know how many people actually did watch the event. Uh, I don't know. I'm curious to find out when the dust settles, if it made any money in Vegas or it was just a money losing event, because I know they have a 10 year agreement. Certainly the one thing they have to figure out is, and this will come with with a little bit of time, is the whole setup and teardown. Now that they've done so much construction and done it before, they need to get that done way faster. Right. Because now they don't have to build a whole building from scratch. They figured out, you know, some of the issues with the circuit and setting up, you know, grandstands and VIP rooms. And all of it is just like temporary stuff, uh, you know, grandstands and, and VIP suites in the Bellagio fountain and all along the strip and all the lights and all the power and and all the ways that people were trying to watch the race without F1 knowing, you know, all the bridges of the walkways like by Caesar's Palace. And there's the glass there and they covered up. They did they did like vinyl. They covered up the glass. People were just peeling all the vinyl off and, and watching the race. But they, all, they also did this really bad on a lot of the walkways. <laughs> they did this really bad like fabric. You know, that kind of I don't know. What, there's probably an expression for me. You know, you like the fabric made up of lots of millions of little holes. Yeah. So like. It, it was like kind of watching it through a, through like you know a veil, but you yeah. could still see the circuit. And then people would be moved on, and there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff. Like there was a lot of people just trying to like get a peek. And yeah. but at those prices, like you know, can't be um, 
I mean, the strange thing about watching F1, I suppose it's the same of any motorsport, maybe apart from, you know, some of the oval stuff is the reality is you see one corner. And so you end up watching most of it on telly anyway. Right. But you're in the atmosphere and it's right. It's fun. But you want to yeah. be there for for the atmosphere, for the parties and for the, you know, you yeah. want to go with friends and you, you want to have a, a good time out of it. And it's yeah. just another event to go to in Vegas, which is a great location. and It's a fun venue and it's something you haven't done in Vegas before. Yeah. And the other thing that, that was really striking, you know, somebody who grew up in an era of like V8s, V10s, even V12s from Ferrari is it was the new hybrid F1 cars are so quiet. Like I used to go to Silverstone or Spa and places like that. And you'd have, you know, you'd have your earplugs in and you couldn't talk to any cars because the things were screaming. Now it's like, it's so quiet this era that you do lose. I mean, you do though get a sense of just how fast an F1 car is. Like you yeah. just don't, you just don't see that on TV. And it's not even, I mean, they were doing like 250 miles an hour. So I mean, it's not necessarily in a straight line. It's just the speed that they carry through the corners is just outrageous. And, you know, and just the whole, it is, it is unlike any other motorsport. And I've been to a couple of IndyCar races and IndyCar racing does feel like kind of, you know, amateur club motorsport by comparison. And obviously it's not, but it, it does, but I enjoy IndyCar. I, I mean, I've got a lot I of love IndyCar. friends. I got a lot of friends that, that, are on teams or race and teams or own teams. And, and uh, I enjoy going to the, I enjoy going to the Grand Prix of Long Beach and, and uh, which is kind of the, you know, that's the home track for us. So I, I go to that event and it's fun. I like IndyCar. I, I didn't want to sound disparaging. It was more of just like the scale and the money. Uh, IndyCar's fantastic. Oh, for sure. It's, it's yeah. proper. Real. It's, it's, it's real, you know, it's real kind of alpha racing. It's, uh, you know, and obviously but, the cars but, are a bit more yeah. equal and everything else. IndyCar is far more accessible. Like you could go and you can meet the drivers and you can, you know, see what's going on. And, and yeah. it's not, it's not like a paparazzi fest or, 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 you know, you can't get anywhere near Lewis Hamilton as he's wearing some crazy looking jumpsuit on his way to the track. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not quite that. Listen, I, I'm sure everyone in IndyCar would love it to be that. And I'd love to see IndyCar to, to grow more uh and get more attention but it's it's just it's a fun event it's far more accept uh yeah. accessible and i spill spot 100 bucks on some overpriced merch so you know yeah. take yeah. the box <laughs> there you go um all right so let's uh shift gears a little bit and uh the whole world meaning probably just the media in, in america is talking about cyber truck I think you're right. I think like I was looking at the British media. I think everybody's gone a bit nuts yeah. for this thing. Everybody's talking about Cybertruck. Now, uh, Goldberg and I, this week, we were having a little fun because we knew Cybertruck announcement was coming out. And we were like, what happened to the Tesla Roadster? And they announced six years ago and and, and took a quarter billion dollars of deposits on. And like, haven't heard a peep about that thing, but uh, but probably funded Cybertruck. Um, uh, we should get into it a little bit. So uh, I know you guys have one on order. I'm sure uh, one of the things that's going to come up is the sticker shock of what you were promised pricing versus what you're going to have to pay. And it's... since you guys are at Edmonds, you're going to have to do it anyway. Uh, so talk about jamming an, uh, an ADM. Talk about jamming a, a, a markup down everyone's throat and giving them no choice. <laughs> it's not really a sticker shock. The reason it's not a sticker shock is that I was actually, I wasn't at the event this week, but I guess we were, we were filming, we were on a big shoot, but I wasn't, 
I was at the original event at SpaceX, the famous one where it was unveiled for the first time and they smashed the windows and everything went a bit bit pear-shaped. But I um it was never going to be $40,000. I mean, back then they said, Elon stood there and said, $40,000 on sale in 2021. Yeah. And, you know, all like the, you know, all, all the fanatics, oh, incredible. Like, you know, you're going to get it next, you know, it's like, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be 40,000 bucks. So you're not going to get it in 2021. And sure enough, you can't. It, it's, Look, I, I think it's easy to be cynical and like the whole, did you watch the thing online? Did you watch the whole unveil? I, I, I didn't watch the whole unveil. I didn't get a chance to do it, but I've been watching a bunch of the clips that are popping up because it's all being posted everywhere. And and I, I, I saw the part of the presentation and Elon Musk has been all over X uh, putting clips up there. And to his credit, still, still a showman, still a great salesman, uh, you know, had a sense of humor to bring back the the whatever the metal ball that they throw at it and well it, it morphed into a baseball though yeah it, it morphed into a baseball and there's all sorts of talk about 70 miles an hour now and everything else but it, i mean as a as somebody who used to in an old life like produce events a bit like that it, you know it's such a weird the whole thing is odd you know the production values of the event basically were terrible just in terms like little things like the lighting and just the the choreography but that's always that's also part of the appeal that elon just kind of stands up and freestyles and has this kind of slightly you know curious way of speaking and everybody has to sort of follow that and so the whole thing feels strangely sort of weirdly amateurish but then they also kept you know having these little set pieces and they are fantastic at whipping up you know, at whipping up social media and everything else. Oh, here we are, like against the 9-11 and it's towing a 9-11. And what was extraordinary to me, and this is a bit of like a, I, I guess something that winds me up a little bit, is how much, particularly, you know, how many people online just quote this stuff verbatim. So, oh, it's, uh, Elon shows a video, he's faster than 9-11 whilst towing my bar. Oh, it's faster than 9-11. And you get like even, you know, even people who you, who are trying to present themselves as, you know, analysts or critics or whatever just just quote this stuff verbatim yeah and you know that's always been a big part of the tesla appeal and, and they as a tesla bandwagon and the only people they invite to the event are people who are going to be this kind of you know glorious echo chamber for you know how heroic this thing is and as always with tesla there was a lot of kind of once you started starting to dig into it you realize there's a kind of a lot of sort of bs associated with it um and some curious stuff around, you know, obviously the pricing. And then there's this weird range extender. Did you see that? The range extender? I, I saw, yeah, that they there's a battery. For those of you guys who haven't fallen, we'll get into some of the specs on this. But uh, some of the options that he presented was, one, if you want a spare tire, it goes in the bed of the truck. So it doesn't make the bed of the truck all that useful. Mm. Because if you want the optional spare tire, it's in the bed of the truck. If yeah, and when you say want... in the bed, it's 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 literally sat on the bed of the truck, and so it's not like a Rivian where it goes underneath the bed. It's right. No, it's just it... it's a it's a tire in the in the bed of the truck. In the bed of the truck with a ratchet strap or whatever, like that's what yeah. it is. Uh, it was an interesting idea where he said, "Look, um, we'll get into range and specs, but if you want the ex a range extender battery, a battery that you can bring with you or take out, it goes in the bed of the truck." Uh, so there's this battery that goes in the bed of the truck. Um, I I don't know that they got into the specs again. I didn't watch the whole thing. I don't know if 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 it if it's something somebody can lift. 
uh, if it takes two or three people. Um, I don't know what it's going to cost. I imagine that there's probably going to be some sort of like rental program. So you can go, hey, I got to do a road trip. Can I rent one of these things? Or like, how do I how do I do that? Can I rent it and get it installed for my trip and then give it back in a week? I, I'm not I, I don't, I mean, sure. <laughs> we were we were talking about this um, as a team yesterday, like how, because again, it's, it's a classic telling. There's a lot of things that are a little bit vague, but I mean, the basic premise of this is, so they've obviously looked at the range of the truck and gone, mm, you know, we haven't got enough. We haven't got the range that we were promising and we haven't got enough space to stuff more batteries in and we haven't got better battery technology. So basically how do we do this? Well, if we want to get close to, you know, four or 500 miles of range, then we're going to have to add. So it's a bit like, you you know, you get those things to your iPhone where you basically bolt on a battery. Yeah. And then it makes you makes your phone big and heavy and doesn't fit in your pocket very well. It's that. So, but it, but we reckon it weighs about 400 pounds. So it's not <laughs> like an iPhone battery at all. And, and also it's going to have to be waterproof. It's going to have to be secure. You know, this is not... Yeah. You know, this is not this is not a small current, and so, so how I can't we we trying to figure out like can't imagine a world in which you know this thing stays in the back of the garage, and then you know you get an army of, of buddies around to kind of pick it up and stick it in and plug it in. So, but if it's permanent or even semi permanent, it's kind of half your bed gone. So, yes. and I don't think you can carry the spare tire and the battery. Well, not if you want to carry anything else. You might get a handbag. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's like it looks like a bit like a gun case but gun cases are smaller or a yeah, tool almost like today. a giant pelican case yeah exactly yeah. a giant integrated pelican case <laughs> so it's Which is uh, not other... a bad idea if you could put stuff in it but if there's a battery in it the whole time i don't mind the idea of having a secure waterproof case in the bed of the truck that would be removable and lightweight but that's uh, not what it is and then it's also, if you also think about it from a dynamic perspective, like you've suddenly put 400 pounds pretty high up in, in the, it's like, admittedly, it's pretty much in the center of the truck, but it's also pretty high up. So that's going to have impacts on ride and handling and all, even with the suspension, all that, all that good stuff. So do you know what though? I'm, I think it's like easy to be cynical about Tesla and I get pretty wound up by all the nonsense and some of the sort of you know claims that they make and nothing ever's on time blah 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 but i think it's cool you know like i looked at it and thought like well so that was gonna ask one of those. is like how is it as a truck is it gonna be a cool truck i think the problem the interesting i, I did um an interview with one of the business publications this week about this which was quite interesting and if you go back to the original announcement, it was pr they, they put up a picture of the F-150, of the Ram, the Silverado, and it's like, we're going to do, like, we're going to take over the American truck market, pretty much. And now, when you look at the sort of narrative, it's it's much more, this is going to be like a cool lifestyle thing for people who buy Teslas. And most people who are buying them are going to be paying like 80,000 bucks plus. Yeah. Now, lightnings and things like that are also getting on for that money. So it's not like crazy expensive. Well, it's expensive, but not in relative terms. It's it's not outrageous. But it does seem to have like stepped away from being, you know, the working heartbeat of America to actually a plaything. And Rivian were quite open about their truck, the R1T, being really it's like a it's a skiing car, it's a surf wagon, it's uh, you know, it's it's still a premium. Excuse me, vehicle. I mean, yeah. it, 
in in terms of price, these are all premium vehicles. But yes, but to your point, it, there isn't gonna there isn't another full size truck or even something a little smaller that's EV and has decent specs on it that comes anywhere near that you know that blows it away in price. They're all about the same, so the price isn't really that big of a no. deal. It's just we're not gonna get a forty forty five thousand dollar or even fifty thousand dollar EV. And I don't think they're going to do the volume. There's even an argument that this thing is like, they're obviously had a lot of difficulties creating this thing. It's probably very expensive to produce. So there's an argument that they probably don't want to sell too many. You know, if you look at what Tesla is today, Tesla is basically a mainstream brand pumping volume, making now what are in, in modern terms, relatively conventional electric cars. The Model 3 and the Model Y are, you know, relatively, you know, the, at the time when they first came out, they looked radical with the screen and everything else. Today, they look like, you know, pretty sensible electric car and electric SUV. And that's where their volume is. And that's where the, the company's built on. So then the Cybertruck starts to just look like, a, you know, like a, a Halo product, uh, an image tool to keep the keep the original Tesla crowd happy. And, you know, that's one of the odd things about it. If they just built a... And I think at the original event, this was the feeling that we we're going to see was going to be a a truck that looked maybe a little bit like a Model Y or something, you know, and that was just a kind of sensible heartland truck. And they would have sold bucket loads. And instead, they've done this eccentric stainless steel cyber truck, which I think will be a, you know, a lifestyle choice for wealthy types. Right. Well, it has to be. Yeah. I mean, it has to be. So let's. Let's get into this a little bit. So the 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 powertrain you can get a rear wheel drive, a dual motor, or a three motor. It's an eight hundred volt architecture. Um, eight hundred volt architecture for from the from the charging perspective. Yeah, uh, I I guess you can get into this a little bit, but it's probably going to go anywhere from zero to 60 and six and a half seconds on the, on the low end to what are they saying? Three, maybe 3.9 for the, for the mid range and then two two something. Yeah. Then stupid fast for the, uh, for the cyber beast. Yeah. For to 2.6 seconds. Yeah, um, but, but let's, as always with Taylor, let's dig into some of the details uh, behind this because the rear wheel drive one, it says, which is, uh, God, they do that thing. I was looking at the website, that probable savings nonsense. Okay. Purchase price, 61000 And then they charge destination. They charge an order fee. So let's call it. It's basically going to be something like sixty three grand, sixty four grand, But that's not available till 2025. 250-mile range. And Tesla, from our experience of testing these things, the Edmunds EV range test, they always go on the high side. So, you know, I'd be surprised, really, if we ever see that or ever see that in volume. So right, okay. you can almost discount that. It's not going to arrive till 2025 anyway. I just don't see it. Then you but, jump. So low 60,000 range, 250 mile. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I mean, the way... Low $60,000 price range, 250 mile range, maybe a little less. You know, zero to 60 in six and a half seconds. Mm. Uh, but the towing capacity on that base model is what? It's about 7,500 pounds, right? Yeah, and, and, then... and it's rear-wheel drive. So, I mean, honestly, it's it's like the Fable $30,000 Model 3 used to be. Yeah, you could buy one, but if only if you 
you know, stood on one on one leg and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, the, the heart of this is going to be the all-wheel drive and the Cyber Beast. And the all-wheel drive starts at 80 grand. So call it like 82-ish on the road. And then that start, that's on sale, well, 2024. And that starts to feel, feel like a sensible proposition. 340-mile range, claiming uh, 0 to 64.1, 112 mile an hour top speed. That's not unusual to limit the top top speed of a truck. Yeah. Uh, um, And then 600 horsepower, 11,000 pound towing capacity. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of like proper trucky stuff in this. And then you go to the Cyber Beast, which starts at 100 grand. And that's got, uh, what are we, 845 horsepower, 130 mile an hour, 2.6 seconds to 60. Which again, you know, we, we're seeing this all the time with the, you know, with EVs. But so your Heartland's going to be your all-wheel drive. So however you dress it up, you're going to be paying 85 grand for your Cybertruck if you want anything probably in the next couple of years. Right. And then the Cyber Beast, the range is about 320 miles before you add the range extender in the bed of the truck. (laughs) The truck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then also that there's also some interesting stuff when you get start getting into the into like the specs on this stuff because you because some of the accessories because, yeah, you've got the range extender. You've also got stuff like. um you can have like a matte black wrap or a, a white wrap, or you can have like a cellophane. It's probably not cellophane. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, a clear wrap. And which kind of begs the thing, they're making all these places, oh, it's not going to scratch, it's dent proof, it's blah, blah, blah. But we're still going to charge you five grand for a cellophane wrap. So like, what's all that about? So there's a load of stuff that like, like, like the devil in the detail, there's a load of stuff that now he's going to start, people are going to start to say, well, you know, do I need to wrap my stainless steel? What happens when I go through a car park? How's it going to keep it, you know, keep it clean? What is that? Okay, car wash, sorry. What does that look like? And Well, right. But- so they're they're offering this wrap or this paint production film instead of paint. So they're saying, hey, if you if you bought a car and you paid for, uh, you buy a car, it comes with paint. <laughs> you buy a truck, it comes with paint. But a lot of vehicles have a premium paint option that could be a, a few thousand bucks, depending on what it is. If you're, you know, buying a Ford, if you're buying a Porsche, it's, it's, there's obviously a big difference in that premium paint option, but he's saying instead of paint, we'll give you a wrap. We'll yeah. wrap it because paint doesn't really stick well to stainless steel as anyone with a DeLorean has maybe figured out. <laughs> uh, okay. So you can get it wrapped. You can get it wrapped in matte black. You can keep it stainless steel. You get it white or you can just, do the paint protection film and wrap the whole thing in clear. Uh, I and mean, then, I mean, the the matte the matte black actually looks pretty cool. I look, I think it looks cool. And I imagine if I like had one, my family would love it. Like the kids would think it was the like the, the most amazing thing of all time. I mean, because you're going to be able to buy the toys, they're going to be able to play with the toy, and then go into the garage and see the real thing. Well, maybe not in the garage because it's massive, but somewhere on the street, yeah, it's not going to go two spaces. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's what it's a, it's as big as a F one fifty Raptor, right? As far as like mm. height, width, length, like it's, I, and and I say Raptor only because it's taller and Raptors yeah. taller, but it's it's basically that. It's got a six foot four inch, uh, six foot bed, right, and four foot. Yeah, wide. so that's kind of like. Yeah, I mean that's smaller than the bulk of the you know F one fifty full size, but it's still you know, and then you can lay the back down and get get something longer in it. So, 
yeah, and there's a little bit of a frunk as well. It's yeah. And then it, it, I don't think so. Go. And then there, you know, his it's quick. He promised it to be fast. It's fast. Uh, certainly impressive. Um, and then now they part of the video presentation where they were shooting it with guns and they were throwing balls at the glass. And and uh, yes, I I I don't know what term they're actually using. I don't want to say bulletproof. I don't want to say it's an armored vehicle, but the nature of the stainless steel and however thick gauge they're using can effectively stop a bullet. Don't get me wrong. It's going to screw up your truck, but you're going to have, it's not like it's going to ricochet off. And you know, it's not like you're throwing a kickball at it or a, or a racquetball and it bounces away. It's still a bullet, <laughs> you know? So I'm not, I'm not saying you should shoot your truck if you get one. <laughs> But I was really, I was really intrigued by all that as well because it's like they are making, like you know, Musk in his kind of nat in his natural way makes these huge claims, and it almost sounded like you know, if you're a local gangster or maybe a member of the police, you know, buy a cyber truck, you'll be fine. And you know, even from a legal perspective, you know, you and I have to deal with legals all the time. Like, does the first time somebody gets shot up in a cyber truck is you know, is there a liability issue here? Because it's gonna, I you know, it's. Will more people take shots at it if they see it because they know they're not going to injure somebody or they think they know they're not going to injure somebody? Like, I, I, I wonder, well, listen, I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting selling point. Um, I don't want to say armored vehicle because uh, a proper armored vehicle has certain specs built in for like uh, an explosion underneath it and, and whatever. So this is not that he's saying stainless steel, tough stuff can stop a, I don't know, a 45 or a nine millimeter, I think is what he said. Yeah, uh, yeah but there's uh, also like, there's been a bunch of stuff like on, on uh, and the trouble is I take everything so cynically that you see on X, but then he was like, oh, well, technically the rounds they were firing, they got some ballistic experts in and said, well, the rounds they were firing were this, they weren't really this. And I, I, uh, I understand. And I know you can nitpick it, but I, yeah. he, he's made his point. It's like- He's made his point. It's fun. It's yeah, like, I'm it's, glad it exists. Like, yes, you made his point is- is it can take a few shots of something where whereas yeah. most cars probably cannot right like I, that's that was the point i mean i love you know i love that it exists because the sensible business thing to do was to build you know a predominantly on-road truck based that based on technology that they had and they would have sold bucket loads and instead, it's like, no, I quite like the, you know, I bought the, because you know, he bought the Bond Esprit, the late 70s Esprit, the submarine car from the oh, Bond yeah. movie. Elon Musk bought that. And this was at the original event. And obviously had this like passion for, you know, the, the, the kind of wedge design of that era, the kind of Italian design, Gijaro and all the rest of it, Tony, all the rest of it, they're all into it. And it, it's, I just love the fact that it is this kind of like crazy billionaire who said, no, I'm not going to build a, I'm not going to do what's sensible. I want to build some, I want to build this and I'm going to, and then, you know, he's got an army of people who have to realize the dream. And so it's, it's great fun. And, you know, I kind of want one to be honest. I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that it's for me, but uh, yes, it, it is fun. And, and what he's doing and what he sort of executed as far as this truck, but I, I'm really just, I just want to find out like, is it a cool truck? What is it like to drive? And is, is it, is it fun to drive? Can it be used as a truck or a reasonable vehicle? Uh, I mean, can you see out of the back what's going on with cameras? Can you park it? 
what happens when you got to go to Whole Foods or something like what like is it is it a gimmick is it a toy you know like listen don't get me wrong if you got the money and you go out and you buy yourself a McLaren 720s uh th the same questions apply like okay great it's a phenomenal track car it's amazing but you know you got to be careful where you park it it'll scrape the ground and it's tough to see out of and you got to rely on the cameras and you hope everybody sees you because you know like it's a supercar and you drive it that way you know to to your you know special events on the weekend is the cyber truck going to fall into that type of realm or is it going to be the the daily utility vehicle that it was sort of i don't want to say was promised to be but you know like is it going to compete against f-150 silverado and ram or is it going to just I be don't... this interesting toy like the humvee like the Hummer. I think the reality is it's probably going to be somewhere in between. I don't think it's like a McLaren where, you know, it's a car for going to cars and coffee on a Saturday. I think this is, this is much, obviously much more real world. It'll do a lot of stuff, but I don't think if you're Ford, Chevy or Ram, you're looking at this and quaking. I don't think you're going to turn up on construction sites and see like a whole army of cyber trucks sitting there, like, you know, hauling, yeah. you know, hauling bags of bags of cement. And, you know, we're not seeing that with lightning yet, but that's obviously the, you know, the medium term goal that, you know, it's a proper working truck. And that's why the lightning and the Silverado and the, the Ram are all designed around, you know, traditional truck mores. So I think this is more like a Rivian that it's, uh, it's going to be a cool toy, but I think you could live with, I mean, we'll see. The biggest problem is though they're massive, but then if you don't, you know, and, and it obviously won't go that far on a, on a charge, but yeah, it's 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 unfortunately it's a rich person's toy rather than a a working truck, which is a little bit different to what they originally pitched. And I think they've been communicating to investors and the markets that this is where they're going with it. So you know, they they at the moment Tesla. I was talking to some execs from other companies about this. You know, Tesla is desperately pumping volume. They are desperately selling. You know, they, their market share is going down inevitably because more people are entering the market, but they're just desperately trying to get you know shift model threes model wise look at all the price cuts you know the lease rates are super cheap and it's it's a it's the brand is morphing from being this kind of aspirational luxury choice into basically a a mainstream volume brand that's it they're becoming an actual car manufacturer they're they're doing what everybody else is doing yeah. and they as... they're advertising on youtube you know like they always did this we don't do advertising well you do now yeah you do now now uh there's going to be, there's going to be, obviously there's going to be a lot of questions about build quality. And uh, I guess the, the questions are going to be, listen, I get it. It's new. It's going to have some issues. Lucid has issues. Everybody has issues with, with new, you know, Ford's been making cars for over a hundred years. There's still issues, right? So there's, there's going to be that, but uh, is it going to be okay? Or how terrible is it going to be? Is Is it just going to be, Everyone they deliver is going to go in for warranty work, uh, like essentially what where Lucid is right now. Uh, ultimately, could be fixable, but I, I hate to say it because the truck is so late compared to when they promised it. Is it still too early? Yeah, I mean that was Lucid's pro Lucid's challenge. I think they just launched it too too early, and I think in a candid moment they'd probably probably accept that now, but. I mean, Tesla's got a lot more experience than they had. If you think like the original Model S, 
the build quality wasn't great, but they had the market completely to themselves. Model 3 was the same, and it took them off. The first Model 3 that Edmunds bought was a bit of a shambles, but then it's got better and better. And the Model 3 that I owned as, as you know, predominantly the family car was 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 fine. Not brilliant in build, but fine. And but then again, like they could have just built on that experience and built a conventional truck. But what they've actually done is something, you know, so extreme that they've obviously had a lot of challenges. So it may to be seen. I mean, like the the fundamental hardware, the the software, the you know, the electric motors, they know what they're doing with the battery technology and all that yeah. stuff. I think it's gonna be more in the physical build of a stainless steel truck that the that the challenge will be more than you know they know they know what they're doing with battery technology and it was interesting we've just done i think we talked about this last time but we launched our um edmunds ev charging test and if you look at the charging losses for tesla it's outstanding pole stars pole stars like 12 percent off the top of my head and tesla's almost zero so that's about how much charge you're losing how much efficiency you'll lose so it's equivalent of spilling gas on the forecourt yeah um and tesla's i mean t- there's a lot of things that tesla gets right so we will we we will see but yeah it's it's a it's a hell of a challenge this truck and i'd love to know what the margin is is if any yeah if any i who knows i honestly i don't know if any evs are really making any money for for any car company and i mean but again apart from tesla because model three and model y are you know are profitable but everybody else is struggling yeah well It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see as these pop up on on the roads. Um, being here in LA, I'm sure we're gonna see them pretty soon. Uh, yeah, I, listen, it's it's interesting. I I'm not I'm not the first in line to get one, but that's fine. I'd like one, but I'm not gonna spend eighty thousand bucks on one. What did Edmonds order? Now that we know what the specs are going to be, what what are you guys trying to get? Well, we're waiting because we, we literally placed the deposit on the night of um the initial on the night of the the initial the initial launch. And I got wind last night of certain people getting a uh getting a sort of I was just checking my emails as we were talking, nothing's come through yet. But I know a couple of people who've got like an updated email. Nothing's nothing's arrived yet. Um so then I think I mean, I suspect we'll go all in because I think from a kind of like storytelling perspective, you kind of going to want the cyber piece. So I think you're going to want the cyber beast. You're right. I mean, you're going to want to start at the top and work your way back. First of all, the rear wheel drive entry level version is not going to be out for a couple of years anyway. So, you know, who knows? Maybe even by yeah. then you're, you're, I, you're trading I, I, one I, for the other. But honestly, I'm not sure we'll ever see that. Yeah. I Listen, I... When they were doing the Model S and stuff, they're like, "Yeah, we're just going to stop doing the small battery. Nobody's buying it. Like, we're going to like yeah. the the least expensive one." It's like that's just not the audience. They thought the audience was going to be like, "Hey, everybody wants a forty thousand dollar car." They don't. They all want a ninety thousand dollar car. So at least the audience who are buying it. So, um, and as you pointed out, you know, a fully loaded Lightning's a hundred grand. You know, uh, the 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 Ram EV is probably going to be a hundred grand. Yeah, the Ram Charger, the the thing is going to be has to be that much because you've got an engine and a passive battery. Yeah, the the hybrid one, the Ram Charger, which I like the idea of that thing, but yeah, it's not going to be inexpensive. Uh, so you go all in, and then you'll have some fun doing some U drag videos with this because we don't know if it turns at all. 
<laughs> well, that was another thing, like like Musk going on about, oh, it does this, you know, basically what he was describing was variable ratio steering. And and he's got four wheel steering and he was describing it's it's stay by wire and you you know it's got variable it's like we we're all watching it. That's basically variable ratio steering and that's been around for what, twenty five years or something more? Right. And four wheel steering's been around forever. So yeah. Everybody's like, oh my god, this is Reddit revolutionary. Not not really. Not really. Although it's a it's an interesting feature and I get it. And yeah. maybe it was sort of necessary for what this vehicle to, they're to claiming the a, vehicle around you know to, they're to claiming a turning around. circle uh, which is smaller than the model s and i can believe that if they've got four-wheel steering and stuff so yeah so maybe it is interesting around it around a track uh not just making a u-turn on your u-drive yeah. video but just actually like around a track it could be kind of interesting i mean it's gonna have the power it's just gonna what is it gonna feel like to throw around that kind of weight uh anyway like you said i i think it's fun um, I'm not sure how much more than that it's going to be, but I think it I think it'll be interesting. It'll be kind of fun. Um, by the way, the specs that we mentioned, obviously, you know, it's more expensive than what they initially thought. And then the specs are, I don't know, like the towing capacity and the payload is all just coming in a little bit less than what they thought. The numbers are fine, but I it, listen, if you're if you want to nitpick the numbers, this truck versus that truck, I know that's what that these truck companies do, you know, F250, 350 Rams and stuff. Um, I, I don't I don't think it needs to do that. I don't I don't think this is about making an electric truck that tows more than anything out there. I don't think anybody's gonna care. The the only thing that made us laugh in the thing, and I forgot to mention this earlier is we pioneered a thing and it's on our Edmunds YouTube channel about using the tractor pull technology, you know, where we had a Rivian and a lightning and we did like the, the you know, the, the comp competitive tractor pull. Yeah. And Tesla went and staged it. I think they even used the same color vehicles and we were like straight onto it because actually we're like, what are they quoting for the Rivian? And it was pretty close to what we were. And I, I think that's probably deliberate because they, but it was, it was kind of a nice, like, um, it was a bit flattering that they'd obviously watched the film and said, "Like, okay, I, I, we need I saw to do that. this." It was a little, it was, it was a little hat tip to you guys. I think, yeah, it was a little I nod like, to you, yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't, they, you know, I don't think they'd acknowledge it, but I was like, okay, okay, so <laughs> yeah. they're getting, you, so, you know, getting a little bit of notice. Yeah, and listen, I, it, it wasn't a bad idea because now you guys don't really have to argue with them. You can go, eh, but. It's a neat idea. Seems pretty accurate. The Rivian numbers were kind of what we were getting anyway. So, uh, yeah, good. We Fine. just need a cyber trick to test it properly. Yeah, yeah. Now we, yeah, now you guys can do it too and go. Yeah, they they did what we did. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, we've got more stuff to get into. We're gonna have to hold it for next week. We're kind of running out of time. Uh, is there anything, uh, anything else we need to touch on real quick on our way out? No, nah, I think we good. We can talk to Coma. We could preview next week. We could talk to Coma. We've we got Kiri V nine, which is super interesting. But yeah, new Tacoma like small trucks. That was um, that's been a big big deal for us. So uh, we can hold that. We can hold that with bated breath for next week. Did you guys drive the Corvette E Ray? Yes, we drove that a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. We too, were just so. looking to spec one. We were just looking to spec one actually. So um, we're thinking about replacing our C eight with one of those. 
Uh, so maybe we could get into that, how you'd spec it next week. That'd be fun. Because what original spec, when the guys know, it's like, oh, we can get like the highlighter yellow paint with red interior. And then yeah. a few other people in the office were like, uh, maybe not. Uh, all right. Well, you guys know where we are on social media. If you have thoughts on how Edmund should spec out their Corvette E-Ray, uh, hit up Alistair on uh, on Weaver on, on cars. Media. Weaver on cars. Hit him up and tell him how he should spec his E-Ray. <laughs> Uh, All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. (laughs) 